Happy New Year's, you filthy animals. Welcome back, haters. The boys are back with another episode of You Hate to See It, where we talk about all the things you love and hate to see, as yes, always. Sir. And I'm here with the chief hater, aka Dr. Hate, D Wild. What's up, brother? D Wild, D Wild. I'm here with the movie man himself, Scotty Too Rare Thomas. What's happening, brother? Shaking. And we've got like a super special episode today. You know, it's right on time. It's not late. It's not early. It's right on time. We're talking about our top five favorite shows of the year. You know, this is not like a ranking of this is the best show. These are the shows that we enjoy the most these year, this year. And so we're going to give you all a bunch of different flavors of shows that y'all can catch up on. We can talk about if you've seen them. But, you know, without further ado, um... You know what? I'll pop it off with with my number five. Okay. All right. So since uh, since I couldn't do Andor, I was about to preach on Andor, but you know, um, uh, you'll get your turn. <laughs> we didn't want to do no overlap. You know, we wanted to give you guys a variety of shows. So Dante's going to speak on Andor later, but my substitute for Andor is Barry. And Barry is a show on HBO. Um, it is made, written, and um, directed by Bill Hader of SNL fame. And um, this is the third season that came out this year. And Barry is re- this season of Barry really turned it from like a like a fun kind of dark comedy that's kind of goofy. And the season season three really introduced some consequences. So if you don't know, Barry is a hitman. And um, the first two seasons kind of center around like him, like being a hitman, but trying to give it up, you know, to pursue his acting dream. But season three, shit kind of hits the fan for him professionally, hits the fan for him with his relationship. And we kind of see the chickens come home to roost. So I thought that was an excellent season of television. It's still funny as fuck. It has some great themes. Um, some like really serious kind of overtones, like what happens when we kind of glorify these um these serial killer types in these shows, you know, like you got Joe from You or fucking um what's the guy Joe from You is crazy, you know, like we, we love all these kind of characters. What was like, the, the the Jeffrey Dahmer show too? Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer, like so it, it was kind of it kind of felt like um like a bigger statement on that kind of culture, that kind of true crime culture that's kind of sweeping the nation right now recently. So. Great season of TV. Check that out if you haven't. We just love them some true crime, man. Tap in for that. So I was like, every I was like, they, I, I just don't understand how you listen to true crime podcasts and that shit is relaxing. Like that shit is that shit is evil. <laughs> like like you're truly you're truly demented. Love violence. Yeah, love violence. Hey man, so many people wake up every day and choose violence. That's how they relax, whatever though. Literally. Literally. I'll tap in next though. And this is actually, I don't even know if y'all have seen this one. I was talking to Tom right before this, but this show I'm gonna talk through is on Paramount Plus. It's actually, I actually tapped in because it's a video game adaption. Halo. 
Okay. So it dropped early in March this year. It was like it's it's nothing crazy, man. It's not it's it was created by Stephen Kane, Kyle Killen. Dropped um, back in March, so like earlier in the year, and I was just kind of peeping it because I was like, "Shit, I liked the game." Like in yeah. the, the Halo, the Halo co-op campaign modes, like the campaign modes were lit. Like multiplayer, of course, is what everybody remembers about Halo, but the campaign and the story of Halo was was very lit. Finding the rings and doing all the covenant, so I thought it was really cool to just see all of the the Master Chief and to see all of the the um what the fuck is his name Spartans. There we go. To see the Spartans, like it was really cool to see them animated and then for them to go up against the the aliens, the Covenant and shit. Like, that was lit to watch. So I actually like, got a lot of cool action scenes. You said what? I never got to play Halo. I always been a player. That was back when actually that was back when Xbox was the dominant console. There was like a window. That was, there was well, a like 360, 360 yeah. was definitely better than the the yeah, PS3. I like that, yeah. yeah, there was a the Halo, like the peak so Halo know, era. I never, I never played Xbox. Xbox. Nah, y'all got to tap in. So it was cool to see that. Like, cause you got to see that they would build these massive, like they had the massive cities, and you're traveling. I mean, it's it's heavy sci-fi. Like it's it's basically like you're watching a cool sci-fi thing, but you've got the backstory of like the game and the campaign. So it's kind of you're filling that in. You're getting more yeah. relationships. They've got like an uprising on one of the planets from like the Spartan like military or whatnot. And you didn't really get to see that much in the game. Like, so you got to see how the people on the planet are like trying to avoid that but like the covenant comes in and just wipes out the uprising and then they're like all right we need the the spartans help because there's all the oh yeah shit (laughs) i mean that shit was that shit was that shit was the very first app but like that shit was crazy like literally first first 10 minutes like literally first 10 minutes of the show um but so it's not like i it's not like i ruined like literally you would see that shit like 10 minutes in but it was it was kind of crazy. They had some they had some cool shit. It was cool action scenes, you know whatnot. So I'd say people people should tap in, especially if you played the game. I think it did, like it did pretty pretty cool justice to the game for sure. Mm, you heard the man tap into that Halo, all you nerds out there. <laughs> all right, Tom, I'll just, yeah, I love, love a good action scene. I might I might give it a give it a run. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so these are out of order, but I think I'm going to go with, um, actually, this might be a favorite. We didn't talk about Abbott in the beginning, right? No, Abbott, no, no, you got it. You got bet, it. Yeah, I'm going to go Abbott Elementary. Um, I think this show's genius. Um, it was created, I don't know if she's the director, but created, produced um, by Quinta Brunson. Um, mm-hmm. She used to work at, I think it was BuzzFeed. Um Fairly uh, well known in like the Twitter, Instagram, it, universe area. I don't know how to initiate that word, but Twitterverse. Um, <laughs> Twitterverse. You, you've seen it before, I'm pretty sure. Um, but basically, I see where the model of the show um, kind of follows a what's the, like a mockumentary of um, like a, like The Office or mm-hmm. one of my personal favorites, uh, Modern Family. Um, it kind of follows that kind of mode, but I think it's closer to in. I see where a lot of people make the um, uh, comparison to like Parks and Rec or The Office just because it's like a workplace um, kind of comedy. Yeah. And, 
it has that uh, workplace dynamic between the characters. But I think the kids make the show kind of like they did in Modern Family. Like, mm-hmm. The kids make add to the humor, whether it's them their response to anything, um, to something a teacher may say, or the episode I don't remember exactly what it was, but the episode where they're jumping from desk to desk. Uh, on TikTok. That was a good app. That was a good app, yeah. Uh, the Halloween episode where the kids are geeked up on candy because the Thanos kid took the, you know, they got Thanos. <laughs> yeah. This is such a genius show and the fact they implemented kids in it just takes it to the next level. So you haven't seen Abbott. Uh, I believe they just wrapped up season two. Season one was really good as well. Um, but yeah, I would definitely give um, give that a go. Um, y'all want to snake it? Like I'll go twice and then go back? Or yeah, we can. Yeah, we can snake it. But I'll chime in. Abbott was cool. I re- I forgot about the desking episode. That shit was funny because it was going all over TikTok and shit and everything. I like how they bring in like because that's that's definitely like it could be a trend. Like you could see easily how something like that goes viral that and whatnot. So I do I do think it's cool that they kind of put a satire on like uh, TikTok and different stuff like that uh, on the show. Uh, the kids definitely bring it home, uh, especially with the like that egg drop episode too. The kids are all cr- that one kid that like said my only friend was like that oh, egg, and he's just yeah, like that kid was stole the, stole the episode. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I, I, that's a good point, Tom. I never really thought about it from that angle where like the kids like really add that much to the show, but they really do because like kids are funny as hell, and you know just that just teacher so pure and so funny. Yeah, that teacher struggle, you know, like you can go through this shit all the time, but like what keeps you in it is the kids and, you know, it's those funny moments, you know, that kind of keep people going. So, yeah, I do fuck with that point of view for sure. Um, all right, what's next? Next yeah, What up, you got next, Tom? Uh, this is going to be kind of hard to explain, but uh, follow me. Pause by Sam J. Yeah. Um, it's going to be my four. Um, this is like a I want to say this is like an actual docu- documentary style. It's, um, it's, it's, it's tough to describe. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's genuinely uh, tough. It's kind of similar to another show we'll get at um, a little later in the pod. But um, yeah, it's essentially Sam J, comedian um, from, I believe, Boston. Um, mm-hmm. There's a The show is basically centered around the fact that her and the homies like any one of us on the pod or listening to said pod, just sit around and just shoot the shit with the homies about whatever topic you have off the top of your head. And um, yeah, like it kind of, it's, there's always, it's always going into some sort of direction. That's kind of where they need to show into. Um, they have the episode, the first episode is about coons. So that kind of gives you an idea. It's like, there's no taboo topic on the show. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of gives you, um, that's what makes it so interesting because these are very well thought out reasons. It, it's every single uh, topic is going to come off like, what is, who thinks of this? But it's so intricate and so well thought out. And you hear other opinions on it like, okay, so I'm clearly not the only person that thought this way about this. And you just kind of see, um, I don't know, you kind of just see what, why people move the way they do or do the things they do based on what society, so to speak, says about that topic. So you have you'd have to watch the show. It's a lot of different stuff, um, but I definitely think uh, "Pause by Sam J." HBO, "Pause by Sam J." HBO Max, um, definitely one of my favorite shows um, of the year. Yeah, I want to I want to plus one that because it's just such a creative concept. Like I know Tom, we kind of talked about this before. 
but it's like the closest thing. I feel like a group chat on TV, like putting like your group text thread onto a TV show. And it's cool because she has like legit interviews with like these people who are, you know, kind of like the subject of what the episode is about. So she has like legit interviews and asks them their, um, you know, their opinion on things. But then it's all intercut with like, her and the homies just shooting the shit at her house, like smoking, whatever, just talking about this thing. And then there's like a big kind of skit at the end. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a super cool show. Like if you're into like getting high and like talking about kind of like issues, you know, but like in a more creative way and definitely tap into pause with Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Sam J. Sam J is funny. Seen her live, seen her shows live. I haven't tapped into that show. So I'll definitely keep that on the mind. I did watch like Michael Shea's show. So is it, yeah. you think it's like similar to that too? Very similar. That kind of, yeah. Yeah. I, that damn Michael Che honorable mention. Um, yeah. Also honorable mention to bust down uh, another Sam J show. Hey, pause. <laughs> RP Jack Knight. I thought you would have a uh, sidebar. I definitely thought you would have uh, Michael, uh, that damn Michael, damn Michael Shea. Yeah, I really did. I forgot about it, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. You up, KP? Oh, I'm up. No, oh, right. it's me. Hold up. Oh, no, it's me. Is, is it me? KP okay. started. Yeah, my bad. All right. So, um, my next joint is actually i'm gonna go the peaky fucking blinders man drop their they dropped their final season this year man they've been going on for since 2013 like they dropped their final or series how they call it in uk but you gotta love you a good good british show thomas shelby uh killian murphy once again bringing in an all-star performance in this season after you know he loses polly his daughter dies this season. Like it's 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 just it's some crazy stuff that went down in it. Tommy's back. I mean, basically, you know, people come at him. The Peaky Blinders get fucked up, and then Tommy Shelby comes out and does Tommy Shelby's shit. Like what's like literally what's not to like about the show? Like rinse and repeat. It was I think it's six seasons, but the, yeah. I guess the last one was cut short. But nonetheless, I binge the show and. If you come out on the other end and you don't fuck with Tommy Shelby, you didn't watch the same show I did. Come on, right. man. Tommy really got it out the mud at every turn, bro. Just settle he, down. Like, he's him. He's yeah. him, bro. As simple as that. He's him. Yeah, man. Hey, Peaky Blinders, man. That's just a, a banger of a show. Just like you said, man. Like, you know, first episode, you know, you know, introduce whatever, whoever the the status is of the Peaky Blinders. Second yep. episode, of shit gonna hit the fan, and then by episode six, you know, you, you counted them out. But two guns gonna pull up with the stick and let it hit. Sir, go Super Saiyan on that shit, bro. Alright, that nigga the goat. Yeah, Peaky Blinders for sure. All right, my my next show. I'm gonna go with um. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna just go ahead, man. You know, we all know uh, from the Emmy Pod how much of a Better Call Saul stan I am. So yes, here sir. I am again before you today, <laughs> encouraging you to watch <laughs> Better Call Saul. This show is so goddamn good, bro. This is as close to a perfect show as you can get, bro. 
they, in the final season of Better Call Saul, they successfully executed three timelines in one show, bro. Three timelines in one show. They said farewell to some of the greatest characters in, in TV history, not just Better Call Saul history, in TV history because we include in Breaking Bad, bro. It's crazy to have an all-time great show like Breaking Bad and then go, go to a prequel and then make another all-time great show. But in the prequel, you also complete the future, nigga. Like, I don't think niggas really understand what they did, bro. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like, like, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta watch, so I'm like, like Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul was like an alternate ending to Breaking Bad, but it was a prequel. Like, that's nuts, bro. That's fucking nuts. So I just had to say that about Better Call Saul. You know, if you want my more in-depth thoughts, go check out the Emmy pod as this siren goes out outside my window. But, um, <laughs> yeah, man, Better Call Saul is literally a masterpiece. You complete two of the top ten shows of all time at the same time with that finale. Please tap in. Please, please tap in. It's 100% worth it. All right, man. Oh, we heard two, it, bro. You get two. We get to snake it back. Oh, me again? Yes, sir. All right. So, you know, Better Call Saul was uh was going to be lit. But this was my surprise show of the year. And it's Severance. I was, hey, I was so blown show. away by Severance, man. First of all, because, you know, the year 2022 was always supposed to be about, you know, House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, you know, the big kind of IP shows that like have a bunch of stands and fans and all that shit. But some of the best shows were the ones that kind of came out of nowhere. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I was going to talk about The Bear and Severance. Like, Severance really came out of left field. I was like, oh, shit, Adam Scott got a new show. It's direct. Well, it's created by Ben Stiller. He's the showrunner. And like just the concept was just so original to me. Like I had never even thought of something like like they really took work life balance to a whole new a whole new meaning. <laughs> yeah, that shit is crazy. Yeah, so it yeah. was just like such an original concept that I fuck with. Like the set design is like so cool. Like the office, like it's so minimalist. It's it's kind of eerie, you know. It's like scary down there. And then you know the cast. You know, you got Adam Scott. You got my boy, um, uh, my boy that was on that one episode of Succession. Uh, I think his name is Zach something. But, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in you. Yeah, yeah, him. And then uh, Tramel Tillman is as, um, God, what's that nigga's name? Is that Mr. Milchich? Yeah, that's, that's Milchich. You know, it was just like Mr. some Milchich. really great performances from people that you might not have, like, seen much from I before. I downloaded the song the other day. On uh, the little song <laughs> from the episode. Oh yeah, no. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then like I can't say enough about the season finale, which was probably one of the best season finales I've seen. Like that shit had me like, like that was the true definition of a thriller, man. So yeah, Severance. I I can't wait for season two. It's on my most anticipated. So I want to see how they get through season two because season one was such a. I mean, sorry, because you all. No, but did. season one, I mean, yeah, season one was such a slow burn, and then it kind of ramped up very quickly. And there's only yeah. one direction really to go after yeah. how season one ends. 
Yeah. So I want to see how this plays out over season two because yeah. I think just like you said, I think you called it like very early on in the inception of this show, but I think this show could be very big, and I think it's all depending on how they execute this next season. Yeah. yeah, it took it took me a minute to get there, but once I got there, I was like, "Shit!" Like I like yeah. I told you about episode six, episode seven for sure, but episode about episode six, I was like, "All right, I can I can see like this shit is crazy," but it like it takes a couple episodes because you're you're getting put into like a new world, you're trying to wrap your head around like kind of mm-hmm. what's going on there being. Obviously, I mean, it's super mysterious, but also like the characters are kind of, you know, don't know where they're at either. So you kind of feel at a loss like the characters. And so that that makes it that's the that's what makes the show so like anxious, like why you're so anxious and you're waiting for something to happen because they don't know what's happening. They don't know. They're They're kind of just (laughs) going through the motions, kind of like some of us do at work, kind of just going through. All right. Well, yeah, keep doing this and they won't say anything. Yeah. Without spoiling it. So that was that. That's pretty cool. We'll be able to see. And I I mean, that cliffhanger at the end was crazy. Like that last, it had me looking. I was like, damn, it's only nine eps. I was like, I was like, shit. I was like, I was like shit. I was like, where's the next app? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that shit was nuts, man. So, yeah. yeah if, you, if you haven't tapped in yet, go, go watch Severance. Yeah. But speaking of cliffhangers, man, I'll talk to y'all about. Ozark part two, man. So this is this. I mean, or I mean, we can kind of talk about both parts. Low key is a season four. They did it in a part two and a part like a part one and a part two. And I think, yeah, part one came out beginning of January. So, yeah, we can still count it. And that was like I mean, they come from, you know, Helen being blasted. And, you know, right in front of their fucking face. And it's crazy because that was like their big bad. They were scared of Helen and everything to all that. You know, Helen gets blasted. They've got to, you know, they kill her own brother and everything. It's like so much shit was happening on that. And, you know, Jason Bateman comes back. Masterclass performance from him as Marty uh, running the show. Ruth Langmore. Uh, I can't remember her, like her real name. She good. Yeah, Julia Garner. She goes out like a fucking G. She's, you know, coming in and she's won so many awards for Ozark and she really has. Like, Jason Bateman, this is his show. It's it's shown through him. But, like, low-key, Ruth had kind of stole the show and it seemed like more like Ruth was the protagonist for a lot of it, especially in the final seasons. Like, even if Jason Bateman and, and Wendy, I don't remember her, the actress name for Wendy. Like those are kind of who they want to show the show through their perspective. But you really get bought into like Ruth as a character and kind of her struggle and everything. And so I thought they finally got, you know, they worked towards finally trying to get themselves out of the money laundering game and, and free and, you know, kind of build up through that. And it, it kind of ends really, really cool, really unexpected. Um, and so you know, I thought I thought it was a really, really cool one and kind of left you off on a cliffhanger. And it even ends this final season that, you know, is supposed to be a final like low key on a cliffhanger. Like they cut to black and then play the sound. And it's like you're supposed to infer what happens from there. And that's like the end of the series. So I thought it was a really cool ending as well. On that. OK, I ain't gonna lie. I, I tapped into part one. I tapped out for part two, though. So I, I still. Like, I didn't even mean to, like, tap all the way out. I just put it on the back burner, and then, you know, like, it's just snowball. I shit came in. I'm going to tap back in. I got to finish what I started for sure, so I'm going to tap Yeah, back. exactly. It's only, like, it's only, like, six apps that you have to tap into. Yeah, I think part two was, like, 
part two wraps it up pretty neatly. I I enjoyed the second part more. I did the first half. I didn't like the, yeah. half, the last episode of the first half either. Like the whole how the whole first part played out made me skeptical to watch two. But like I said, it wasn't not one not my favorite of the year. But still, uh, they ended on a high note. I'd say. Really, you didn't like how they ended part. All right, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to think. Did they a, end? Let me see what. Let me see what episode. No, that episode that ended part one was really cool. Yeah. Y'all didn't like that? Yeah. That's the highest rated one of the season. It's a I nine point three on IMDb. What happened? Uh, that is when Javi pulls up and offs Darnell and Wyatt for for like trying to cut them out of selling to Claire Shaw and everything in the pharmaceuticals. And so Javi oh, pulls up and comes yeah. out and, and offs them. And the cars flipping down. Javi was tripping. That's why I ain't fuck with part yeah, one. Yeah, Javi was tripping. He he just come in and just stir the pot, fucked up all their plans. Like that dude was an ultra wild card, bro. He's supposed to be the civilized one. That nigga was tripping. <laughs> that nigga, you thought because he went to business school and everything that he keep talking about, and that nigga just comes in and fucks up all the business. Yeah, that nigga was tripping, bro. I was like, come on, bro. We had a good thing going. But all right. <laughs> Tom, what you got for your third? All right, so three. Uh, well, I'm going to just go ahead and jump because we already mentioned it a minute ago. Favorite show of the year, The Bear. Uh, All right. I got I got nothing bad to say about this show. Um, what's that? I think Jeremy Allen White plays Carmi. Uh, Carmi is a chef, world-renowned, um, or I guess world-renowned is probably, oh, he studied with world-renowned chefs. Um, and... Is coming from, I believe, the second highest or the second highest graded hotel or restaurant, excuse me, um, in the world. Yeah. Um, and he's now working at a sandwich shop that his brother used to own after his brother passed. So, uh, as you could probably infer, it's. Um, like a change of pace for him going from, you know what I'm saying? Michelin star ratings to like, all right, yeah. is this, are we going to get a B letter grade on our kitchen? Health, on the health inspection. Right? So, is this a real life show or is this like a, Oh, no, so like this is like, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, okay. it's a Hulu show. Um, okay. What's that? Jeremy Allen White is the lead guy. Carmi. There's other characters that you, I really hope season two, I, I'm already geeking over season two, but, um, he there's a lot of other characters like Sydney Marcus. There's other characters that you care about, you want to know more about. Um, but essentially, it's all about everyone's relationship in the back of this kitchen. Anyone's ever worked in the food industry can probably either somewhat relate or directly relate to everything that's going on in the show. Um, I don't know. It's just a bunch of different uh, relationships that everyone has to manage, and then Carmi himself has a whole. Um, he actually has a breakdown and a monologue and I want to say the seventh episode this if you don't like the show by the end I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah uh I think I think this is gonna be I think this is gonna be um pretty big also um give it a give it a go Hulu season one's already on there um I think they come back in February I'm not sure oh damn really yeah February March I think but Wait, Dante, have you seen the bear? No, I haven't. Oh shit! No, hey, that's a that's a day. That's a one day watch. Yeah. Oh, for real? Okay. 
I guess episode, I think it's episode seven or eight, but it's uh it's probably like the best episode of TV all year, just like technically, because it's all one shot. Literally, it's just oh, they did the one shot thing like they did in House of the Dragon for like the first uh yeah, like but like, it's the whole episode. It's like oh. twenty minutes. It's just like pure anxiety, anxious. Like, dang, you know what fall. movie? You know I they did that with a movie, right? Yeah. They did the one shot thing with um, what was the war movie that came out? Um, not Top Gun, but it was like nineteen. It was a it was a like a World War Two movie that yeah, came out. Lit. Where they were doing a lot of, they did like one shot through it. Um, yeah, it was really cool. So I, yeah, I like when they do that. It's really cool because you're like following the characters and it put, it really puts oh, you Hurt Locker. in their perspective. I mean, Locker, us. Not saying Private Ryan either. Uh, yeah, Hurt Locker. I'm pretty sure it's, it's not okay. the nine. It could be. I, I literally cannot think of the name right now. I, mean, yeah. I just remember it was like a war movie that came out recently that they do the one shot thing and it's like you really feel in in the spot of the character. So I'll definitely tap into the bear. And like I said, um, it's in the back of a kitchen in like a, a literal deli. Like this is not a nice place. Like it's so bad. Like it's a, it's. I mean, I'm not giving up the show by saying like it should be shut down. This place should not exist. <laughs> they have loyal customers, and uh, I, I'm assuming this the. Are they root? I think they're Rubens or no roast beef sandwiches are, are yeah, just yeah. very good. I'm assuming, but yeah, this place should not be around. But it's a tiny little kitchen. The show shot primarily in that kitchen in that shop, and it's just chaos the entire 23, 26 minutes, however long the show is. But yeah, you got to you got to get that one spin. Yeah, okay, right. definitely. Um, I get that. Next is another one. Of sh- I'll, I'll save them for last. Um, but conveniently, I have another show that I think is going to be pretty big. Another one of my favorites, Industry. Um, Industry is another show that's from HBO Max. Uh, anyone who's kept up with us on the pod knows that I'm obsessed with Secession. So there, there's probably, whether I want to admit it or not, there's probably a bias to Industry based on my love for Secession. Um, but I do think it's a very good show. Also, it just follows a group of like young, like uh, newly graduated college students, I would, I guess. Yeah. Some are like a year removed or a year or two, but they're all roughly the same age. Um, navigating financial services industry um, takes place in London. There's different teams, a lot of banker lingo, uh, trader lingo that I do not understand. Right. Uh, some that I do, Just some that way over my head and not, <laughs> in, not in my wheelhouse, but um, I I see where some people can get lost in it, but I don't think if you could just watch the show as is and don't focus too much on the actual terms, I think you you can start to gain a, an appreciation for it. But this show is another one that's just pure chaos. Um, every character is likable, but at the same time, more unlikable. So that's going <laughs> to that'll kind of steer how you feel about the show. But I do think um it's worth a, uh, a watch. This one is not as I wouldn't say um, isn't much of a slow burn as I would say some of the other shows we've mentioned. But um, yeah, if you don't like it after the second, third episode, two, three, four is a lot of fun. But like if you don't like it after the first two, three episodes, I mean, I'm gonna tell you, keep it pushing. 
Yeah, I didn't mean to tap into industry, man. I definitely because I remember with you. So that's that's definitely on my list to watch because I remember you talking about it. I was like, shit, sound like my job. Like half the time, you know, working in banking and financial industries, like very adjacent to to my job. Always like very niche. Like enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, you you would fuck with that for sure, Dante. (laughs) But what what I got for my um, my next one is. You know, Amazon Prime's hit show, The Boys, man. Season three of The Boys dropped, and it might have been the most jaw-dropping, gory season that we've seen since. And it's really just whatever the last episode was is going to be the most gory one. Like, <laughs> the, like this, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it, but there's some crazy shit that happened in this episode from, like, or this season from the very first episode with yeah. Termite with termite to like <laughs> middle of the season with like, you know, with hero gasm. Like there's some, they're, they're putting like massive disclaimers on hero gasm because of like the amount of shit that they're showing. And evidently it's toned down from the comic books. Right. So like this, this season, you know, Huey has left the boys and they kind of, you know, are doing their, the boys are now working under Huey, like Loki, and then, you know, trying to go against Homelander. They've kind of had Homelander a little pacified. Star, uh, Stormfront is like, you know, dead, essentially. I mean, she hadn't, you know, she's essentially dead after getting the shit beat out of her from the last episodes or whatever. And, you know, coming out as a literal Nazi. So it's like they, they take all of that and then you see it turn and then they bring in um, payback the the former like seven before the seven uh and it's really cool to see that that dynamic and the, the big fight scenes at the end and it's just it's it's very gory it's very in your face it's it's always kind of shocking and, and jarring you so we did pot about these too like we potted about this show separately so it's like if y'all really want more in-depth like info on the boys in general, like go to, go to our pod specifically on the boys, but had to call it out as one of like my favorite shows for, for the year, for sure. Yeah. The boys this season, it was just, just like you said, like every episode felt like the best episode that they've done. And, you know, they really, like it's so hard for them to like keep on like up in the ante, like every time I like, you'll be like, Oh, this is the wildest shit I ever seen. Like when a train ran through, um, he Robin. was in episode one. Yeah. That was really the craziest shit I had ever seen from a superhero show. And they've surpassed that like 20 times over now. So, yeah, like, that was like literally phased through her and like disintegrated her body, bruh. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the boys, man, they just keep on going up. If you still sleep by now, you must be living under a rock because it's one of the biggest <laughs> shows on TV, I feel like now. So, there's only one way to go, man. Literally, yeah. What you got for your last two, KP? What All right, you got for your last, last two? two. I'm gonna start with the rehearsal, and um, the rehearsal is a Nathan Fielder show. Um, if you've never heard of Nathan Fielder, he does a show Nathan for You, which is kind of like a reality, kind of like prank. I want to see how you explain this. Yeah. <laughs> so the rehearsal, it kind of like starts off as like a like kind of lighthearted kind of super version of like those reality prank shows like a impractical jokers or a um what's the, another one the carbonaro effect you know just it's like a hidden camera kind of deal and nathan fielder is convincing these people that if you rehearse for uh anything in your life uh, any kind of situation that you have anxiety about 
if you rehearse every possible outcome, then when you actually go into the situation, you'll be ready for anything and it's not scary. So for an example, I'll just use the first episode. There's this guy just just like, you know, just kind of middle aged, just very kind of milk toast, meek dude who's trying to um, tell his trivia team that he didn't really go to college. You know, so he's like super anxious about he's like, oh, man, like, I got to tell tell my friends that I don't have a college degree. They all think that, you know, I'm this like educated guy, but I got to tell them that like I'm, that's not really me. And so he's he's nervous about it. So Nathan Fielder comes in and literally like sets up a replica bar. He brings in actors to like act as his friends, you know, and they legit rehearse the interaction, like him admitting, you know, that he didn't go to college like over and over and over again. So like every possible outcome is covered. And so when he actually does it, it's a success. And so it takes off from there. That's just like, that's the first episode, you know, so. Spoiler. It sounds as stupid as it is. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, sounds that, sounds, that sounds dumb it's, as hell. It's, it's so irrational, but you got to But like, as, as the show keeps going, like the situations get more and more serious to where mm-hmm. at the eight, like last episode, like, I don't want to give anything away, but like it's like some real shit. Like, like people are getting hurt by this experiment. So it's just kind of mm-hmm. like, how far do these things I like, really need to go? Like people were writing think pieces about how this show is like not ethical because this guy is like playing God in people's lives and legit like, you know, like it's having like an effect on people, like real effects. And you can kind of see that as the show goes along. So. I honestly, there's like never been anything like this on TV. You know, it's honestly a genius concept and And it's hilarious and he uses it. It's hilarious. And he uses it to kind of like bring light to like other, you know, kind of issues, like real issues in the world, like just around like kind of religion and politics and um, things like that. So yeah, just, I guess that's like a Bravo show because I just don't understand how somebody can one think like that and then like be able to pull something like that off. So he doesn't crack words. Yeah, I gotta. He did. He literally doesn't break character or anything. Like he's just, I don't know. Like something's off with that guy. But just (laughs) very uncomfortable to watch. What? What? What platform was that one on? Too HBO, HBO Max. Yeah. There you go. All right. Cool. Last last for me, but certainly not least, is my favorite show of the year, Reservation Dogs. Now, Reservation Dogs season one was really great. It was amazing. It was on my top 10 last year. But season two, they just really kind of leveled up and took it to just a whole, like, brand new heights I didn't know that it could do. So. I kind of likened it to like a Atlanta for Native American people. And like, that's just kind of true. But like the reason I feel like that is because just the creativity that goes into the show and just kind of like any episode can be, can be anything, you know, like organic, like, the organic nature of the fact that like, there's just a regular day. Yeah. 
it's an episode. Like kind of like, like not the same, but like Seinfeld. Like it's just yeah. people doing stuff like casually throughout the day, but it's a show concept behind it. Facts. But like even further than that, like you know how Atlanta, like you'll turn Atlanta and like you won't even see fucking uh childish Gambino and Paperboy yeah. and then like it'll be like some other shit. Like reservation dogs can kind of hit that same switch where there's like so many like good characters that you enjoy hanging out with and enjoy seeing. Like you can go hang out with the fucking um, two people that own the gas station for a whole episode and they're tripping on shrooms and running to some secret society in the woods. And like that's a whole episode. You don't even see the main characters, but like it's just like the most right? like. Yeah, yeah. So it's like five Native American kids that live on a reservation. And it's like the most emotional, creative, heartfelt show of the year. Most likable cast on TV. You know, it shines a light on like Native American culture and like their heritage and their pride, which is frankly underrepresented, you know, on TV these days. And it's funny as fuck. It can be an adult comedy. It can be coming of age. They talk about friendship leaving home, grief, loss, you know, death, suicide. It's like, they really can do so many things with the show. The performances are amazing. I'm not even going, I'm going to come clean, man. Season finale, I was moved to tears, like real tears. Like, it, like your shit really hit me, nigga, several times in season. So I cannot recommend this show highly enough. I just think it's so well done. Um, it's Sterling Harjo and Taika Waititi. They are like the co-kind of showrunners. So if you like Taika's humor, um, you know, tap in, you know, what we do in the shadows, Thor, you know, like a lot of jokes. But, um, yeah, it's just it's just a really dope show. It'll kind of help you. It's, it's almost like a spirit guide, you know, like it's crazy. <laughs> it's really crazy because like, it, will, it will fix your moral compass for sure. So tap in. All right, man. Top of the watch list. I hear you, bro. My uh, my favorite show of 2022, and I'm and I know you. I was like, I know you felt like you felt like you really, really enjoyed this one too. KP is oh, yeah. Andor, man. And this so, uh, like it's it. Andor is great. Like, bro, whatever Star Wars does is they need to give the bag to Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy is the creator of the show. Like that man is. Cra- it really puts you in what it's like to live mm-hmm. under like a an oppressive, like kind of like fascist regime that is the mm-hmm. empire. Like you really get to see how it feels to to live under their grip and the pain and everything that the people have to endure and the struggle that is resisting that and everything that leads up to the rebellion. It's like, okay, we know what happens in Star Wars. We know the big set pieces. We know the big wars. We know the main characters. But this puts you really down in the shoes Mm -hmm. of like the people living in the galaxy and, you know, what they have to go through, how they have to struggle to just live and how the Empire just doesn't give a fuck about people's lives. Like, you know, how poorly they treat the people in this in this world and whatnot. And so Diego Luna, as you know, Cassian Andor does an insane job. You know, this is only added to now. It's got me thinking like Rogue One might have been the best Star Wars movie that that we oh, had. Like I was I was going back and forth between Rogue One and Episode Five, Empire Strikes Back is my, you know, is my top two favorite Star Wars movies. But like, you know. 
adding this layer of context to that really makes me think through like, damn, bro, like that. That's crazy because you really get to see like this is this is the fight of the people that aren't the victors, the people that like don't get to see what it's like to have their job accomplished. Like, you know, in Star Wars, we start with Luke and then he goes all the way through and he kind of lives through and gets to see that hard work pay off. This we're starting with characters that know they're not going to make it out. You know, they're fighting for shit that they're not going to see the end to. And um, Stellan Starsguard, who's, um, who's, what was his name? Lucian. Who's Lucian? Lucian in the show gives like literally the best monologue I might have ever heard in TV. Like his <laughs> ever, bar none. Like bar bar none in yeah. episode ten. Like it's it's twelve episodes. Stellan Star. Like he did amazing with that. Mon- I was like, I had to pause it, rewind it multiple times. Like my jaw was literally on the floor as he's just going bar after bar after bar. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that 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 show was was crazy. Like, I, I wish Star Wars would double down more into that, which is why I think they need to pay Tony Gilroy more. Facts. Here, let me let me tag in. Yes. Andor reframed literally everything I thought about Star Wars because, you know, it took Star Wars from, like, sci-fi fantasy epic, you know, with laser swords and magical Jedis that can use the force and shit. And, you know, the light side is always going to overcome evil. It took it from that to like what, like what it really takes to have a full like revolution, like rebellion, you know, like it reminds me of kind of like the Gil Scott Heron song, like the revolution will not be televised. Like, niggas that we see in Andor, these are not the niggas that's on TV, bro. Like, like Luke and Han Solo and Leia, they gonna get all the flowers, get all the glory, but, like, these niggas are the ones that really bled and died for that shit. Like, you know, like, these people, like, they don't get to see the, they don't get to see the ceremony. They don't get no medals at the end. Like, they ain't got, like, literally Drake said, they ain't got no awards for this, bro. They ain't got no awards. Nemix manifesto that like like we get that bar like that st- that damn near sparks the the foundation of the whole revolution. Like we didn't, you know, he gets nothing for that. A kid, literally, bro. Like what does revolution really take, bro? Like Star Wars, the movies are about like the chosen one, but Andor yeah. is about the ones who chose. Oh, bar. (laughs) Mic drop, man. Mic drop. (laughs) The ones who chose to take a motherfucking stand on these niggas. That's what that shit's about, man. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited. That episode 10, like it's 12 episodes. Episode 10 was rated a 9.5 out of 10 on IMD. That's crazy. 9.5? 9.5. And it's like a real, like, you don't have to like Star Wars to watch it. It's like a real show. Like, like really, yeah, it, it's a standalone show. Like, it, you don't have to, you don't really have to know much about it. Because it's like, none of it, it, like we said, all of it's disconnected to, to that other stuff. It's, it's a prequel to Star Wars. Literally, the show that I compare it to the most as far as just, like, how it, like, the pacing and, like, the writing and just like all the different characters, I compare it to Better Call Saul just because like it's so the groundwork is just like so intricately laid and then the writing is top notch and like it feels like it's slow, but at the same time, so much is kind of happening 
So that's kind of how I feel. It's like legitimately a great show, whether it was Star Wars or not. Yeah. It also makes the other Star Wars shows look really bad, like <laughs> comparatively. Like Obi-Wan also came out. Book of Boba also came out. Like we watched those and it's like those pale so far in comparison to like this. Like this is what if if Disney is trying to keep an adult audience and go like serious and get you know, kind of make the real like Star Wars verse, like the same way they're trying to do with like the MCU. Like they need more of this. They don't need just one show about it. They need to get, you know, elements of this brought into a lot more of their of their shows. I agree. I agree. All right, Tom, bring us home, man. All right. To wrap it up, uh, I have two, but I'll speak to the one that we can all go ahead and uh, at our two cents uh, winning time not my number one show of the year but definitely up there um, winning time was also HBO Max damn mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time on HBO Max this year that's sad quality shows yeah so winning time was about the first year uh, was to be very specific the first year of what became the Laker dynasty um essentially follows the team from uh, or the story from drafting uh, Magic Johnson and um, the purchase of the Los Angeles Lakers by um, RP, Dr. Jerry Buss. And the end, I believe, was... The end the is end. the championship. Yeah, the end, I believe, was the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really um, go into anything or everything that happened uh, following the season, but um, leads up to the championship. Um, not any giving away any spoilers here. They win it. Um, and it's Magic Johnson's uh, rookie season. Um, just everything that goes uh, goes on that uh, first season, but from not getting along with the uh, players to uh, shifts going on within the organization um, as far as the um, owners of the team, GM, things of that sort, coaching, coaching, of course. Oh, um, yeah. I bring it up primarily because the whole uh, Jerry West thing. Jerry West, Kobe Pat Riley. There's, like there's like this thing, though, Jerry West and Kobe, like that's, they got along because they were like each other. They made Jerry West seem like a dick in this show. So which kind of makes you think that he caught like – he probably was. He probably was. He probably probably was and is, honestly. The thing about the show is it's not a, a documentary. It's not based yeah. on true, true events. This is uh It's I mean it's based it's, on true events, right? But it's 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 not like a it's not like a documentary though. So it's, it's, not, like, it's obviously some dramatization in it. Yeah, they it's it's not a tell-all. They kind of dramatize some of the things that or sensationalize some of the things that happen and yeah. obviously some of the characters. So Everybody knows Jerry West went through it. I think Buddy lost nine finals and maybe 10. I could be wrong, but I think it's nine. Um, even one time, he, he ended up winning the finals MVP and they lost the finals. And so, they lost, bro. Yeah. He's, and you kind of see all that play out in the how he's trying to manage uh, his relationships within the team that he played for. And now he's um, a part of uh, the front office. Um but I think that's a very integral piece of the puzzle as well as the story of Magic Johnson, how um, he became 
who he is um, all in. And like, like I said, this is all within one year. So like a lot happens uh, this first season, um, not necessarily the first season of the show, but the first season for anyone in the NBA, much less a 20-year-old kid from uh, Michigan. So. Yeah, no, that was a it was a crazy show. I was watching that one week to week and it really like I did because that, you know, it happens in the in the 70s and the 80s. It's like you don't we like we we know they won and we know like the Lakers were great and we know like kind of all the names. But like going back and seeing the personalities of the people involved with that, like I didn't I thought Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a nice dude. That dude's an asshole, like a super (laughs) like a, a super asshole. Bro, like he—he he is just—he's just straight up mean, bro. Like there's there's no if ands or buts about it. Jerry West is fucking crazy. Seeing Pat Riley and like you know you think of Pat Riley, you think Buster. of all the rings. You think of you know you think of him as super confident. Seeing like a Pat Riley that's doubting himself, that's unsure, that's like you know young and unproven is like way different from where we think of Pat Riley now as you know president of the Heat. And, you know, he's got all those rings from the Lakers years and everything and then brought championships in Miami and everything. So like a well-established dude. So it's it's kind of crazy to to see that difference. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch the just the the back and forth there with um, winning team and getting to really understand how those players were and the personalities and like the behind the scenes and. Dr. Jerry Buss is a wild boy, to say the least, man. That whole team, they had a crackhead on the team. They had a crackhead on the team, bro. Spencer Spencer Hayward was a crackhead, and that man was just going out there and and hooping, like hooping. Uh, That's a crazy time. You got a crackhead in the locker room. All-star crackhead. That's crazy. All right, what's next? Or last but not least? Oh, um, no, I think that's – No, that was, was your five, right? Yeah. That was five? Yeah. All right, well, shit. Yeah, winning time was a lot of fun. Um, I loved how, like, kind of – like, they shot some of it on film, some of it like a like a modern camera, and they would kind of, like, cut in between. I think uh, – who sh- who made the show again? Uh, Adam McKay. Yeah, yeah. So Adam McKay, you know, he he's like one of the one of the best guys out. You know, it's like visually, he does like a lot of interesting stuff, shooting different kinds of cameras and shit. So, I mean, that shit that shit was a banger. That shit was like one of the first shows of the year where everybody was like kind of tapped in at the same time, and mm-hmm. you know, that's the best way to watch TV to me. So. Yep, yep, it was a lot of fun. Any any honorable mentions before we peace out? Well, we got an honorable mention House of the Dragon. Like it's not like it's not like that wasn't one of our favorite shows. It's just we got a whole podcast about that. So we wanted to give yeah, y'all yeah. 15 new shows outside of that one. Like right, yeah, we would be on a day. So yeah, House of Dragon definitely be my top five. Just like I had um a couple shows out on my off the bench. Uh we got White Lotus, my six man. Yeah, um, HBO Max <laughs> and We yeah. Own the City, HBO Max. Yeah, um, yeah. White Lotus, you probably heard about it. Uh, season one was really good. Season two, top notch. Um, Who's they got? Um, Aubrey Plaza's in there. Was buddy's name Theo James? 
And of course, um, Jennifer Coolidge is back. They got, I mean, it's the, some of the same uh, type characters, but they, it's just, it's like they played with that nozzle and just made everybody more obnoxious than last year. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one was fun. Yeah, uh, we know this city was a cop show uh, based in Baltimore. Um, that's got Frank Grillo in it. If you know anything about Frank Grillo, uh, yeah, he's he's just gonna talk some shit and punch some people. Too. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We know the yeah, city why? is from the same people that that did The Wire. That's um, David oh, Simon shit. and George Pelicano. So yeah, they did The Wire, The Deuce, Treme. Um, Another show on HBO, and then now we own the city. Also based on a true story, like so. It's like you know, it's damn near a documentary. This one was shot um, very similar to The Wire as well. Um, but I also think it was, and I don't, I don't want to say it was one shot, but they definitely used the like moving camera a lot on the shows, well, yeah, which I feel like it's a lot of cop shows. Just to like whenever it's like chase that type of thing, so you're gonna get a lot of moving camera. Uh, some a lot of the scenes are very intense. Um, so yeah, get that one to spin also. But yeah, those are two that I figured we'd mention. Yeah, that's, thanks for including those. Those are good. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah, hey man, I got I got some I got a couple shows added to my list to watch, and we any you know we at the start of the year. That's why we so. do it, man. That's why we do this thing. <laughs> First thing about Star Wars, but we can get. Oh, hey man, you can hop in. You don't need to know nothing about that one. Say less. Tap into Andor, man. You you won't regret it. Tap into Andor. But yeah, um, that's all we got. We just gave y'all fifteen shows to watch. You know, if you haven't heard of these shows, please go and watch them. They're all amazing. Except maybe not Halo. Halo is probably straight. Halo, yeah, Halo wasn't amazing. That shit was just that shit was just fun. And I was like, oh, I liked the video game. Like that was just a little hey, little bit of nostalgia in there. Like that's just like it's just like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, I you know, it's like it's like they took a good they took some of my shows, y'all. All right. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Like they took they took some of my favorite shows. So it's like I, I had to I wanted we wanted to give y'all fifteen different shows. So I throw in one that was like fun that I happened to watch, you know. Thanks. You don't have to watch that one, but if you're if you got some free time, you know. You heard it, man. If you're listening still, we appreciate you rocking with us. If you turned it off, you can't hear this. So fuck you. But uh, yeah, <laughs> until next time, you know, it's KP. D-Wild. Scotty Tour. Keep on watching and keep on hating. We out. Peace. <laughs>